What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 234th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, and we have Monster Hunter Extraordinaire with us, Will. While you were interrupting me while I was trying to gather Apsaros livers, I hope they're still there for me when I go back. They'll be there. They'll be there. We also have Pokemon Go addict Travis. <laughs> Yesterday, someone tweeted at the three of us saying, just two more days, and then with like an, emo- an excited emoji. And I know for a fact, Will, because you replied to this person, but at least me and Will were flabbergasted trying to figure out, is there some big trailer that's coming out in two days? Or are there... Are- did I miss something and Pokemon Sun and Moon actually come out in two days? What happens in two days? And then they say, oh, well, the new episode of the podcast comes out. <laughs> I I just couldn't believe that somebody would be so excited that they I'm, would have anticipation. We're setting them up for disappointment now. I'm oh. so far removed from that kind of excitement for this show because I haven't been a consumer of it for uh, four years since high school. Yeah. <laughs> More than four years. I feel like I get excited for the podcast I listen to every week. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, that, that's definitely the case. But And I get excited to record this show, but cognitively, I'm, not, I'm no longer at a place where I associate this thing that we do every Sunday with a thing that people listen to, which is probably <laughs> why I'm, I'm so brash about the terrible jokes I make. That's fair. For... Our listeners, well, if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, or if you're a new listener, and this applies to both, uh, this is our show for you guys. We have a little bit of Pokemon news. We're going to be talking about the UBs. We're going to be talking about the Pokemon Generation stuff, and one or two other things. And then, actually, the Generations will probably be the main topic, uh, because I feel like we have a lot to say about it, even though that's, it's probably like eight minutes of footage. And then we have our Pokemon of the Week, and if we have time, maybe we'll squeeze in some emails, but our show's been running like two hours long, so, and which is fine, there's no complaints there at all, it's just, if they run long, then it takes me longer to edit, and that's, that's fine, it's all fine, everything is fine. Travis, how was your fine week? Pretty good, like, like you intimated at the start of the show, now that I have Pokemon Go, I've been playing a lot of it. And as I've been playing more of it, what I've been surprised to see is that I'm not the only one. I thought that Pokemon, when Pokemon Go became such a huge phenomenon that, like many such trends, they would die off in a week or two. But I see people playing Pokemon Go still all the time, and it's kind of cool. I didn't. I didn't think it would, because typically when when you have like, and and granted, not as many people are playing it, and you hear people joking like, oh, you're still playing that game. But there's like a lot of people still playing it. And I found that kind of surprising. And I know I'm not supposed to talk about Pokemon in the what are you doing this <laughs> no, week segment, fine. but it is the po- video game I'm playing. I have a Pokemon Go story for you. As I was uh, out running this morning, I came across one of my neighbors and was talking about my trip to Vegas last week. And he does like the World Championship Poker Series stuff so he's very familiar with vegas so he's and consistently he said, wearing a baseball hat and sunglasses no but he said oh yeah and when you're in vegas they have chances if you're still like into pokemon stuff and i was like 
what's Chansey's? Is that some sort of store or restaurant or something that has like Nintendo theme or something? Do I need and to get I, myself tested when I come back? Uh, no, but I was like, literally, like, <laughs> what's Chansey's? And then I was like, oh, Chansey. You can catch Chansey in Pokemon Go in Las Vegas. And I was like, I am the biggest idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbor wise, he clearly knew you were into the Pokemon. Well, he's the top Pokemon TCG player in Washington, D.C., so... And he had just happens yes. to be your neighbor? Correct. Interesting. All right. Why is he, why is he not know, the co-host of the show? You, you know that story. I don't think I do. Oh, yeah, no, right? I was number one for all that time, and then I went to a TCG competition and met this dude who's exactly the same age as me and obviously a better player and i found out his name and it you know then he became the number one player in dc and then i'm like walking my dog down the street and he's like walking up the street and i was like dude with his dog and it's like no, he doesn't slightly have a dog. other dog than you no, no he doesn't have his a name dog. is no, phil he literally <laughs> lives no he literally lives 100 feet away from me like, not even a mile away, a hundred feet away from me. He it's also, a small world after oh, yeah, all. He also drives a Mercury Land Rover. I don't know what you drive. Stop. It's a Mercury Mariner. <laughs> and he, he doesn't drive one of those either. He's a really nice guy. I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. I like to think that there's like a bizarro Will living a hundred feet away from you named Phil. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, that, no, that notice my lack of laughter. Here. That happened. So <laughs> uh, the only thing that's been new with me is we just wrapped the first episode of season two of Mythical, which happened on Tuesday on Twitch. Do you say wrapped? Because that means completed, right? Well, we complete. Yeah, we completed episode one. We wrapped. I, I guess <laughs> we. We wrapped that up in a package and shipped it. So yeah, my, my office is a complete mess because I am actually not in that season. But instead, well, Travis is back and Logan is back. And Jeff and I, which were two characters in season one, we are no longer in it for this season. We introduced uh, my girlfriend, Irene, a long, old, old time Pokemon podcast uh, pers- personnel, uh, Aaron, who was on the first, the first per- other person besides my voice. And Aaron was, was a staple of, of its super effective for probably, I want to say like 60 or 70 episodes. Because he was, Aaron was still on, Travis, when you were still on. Like, you came on, you came on around episode 30, but... Yeah, there was some overlap, yeah. Yeah. And then we got rid of him. <laughs> but no, uh, Aaron's, uh, Aaron's a super good friend of mine. I've known him probably longer than most people. And he moved to Texas. And so he's still very supportive of, of what I do. And it's super effective and everything. And after he listened to uh, the first season of Mythical, which is subtitled Dungeons and Dragonites, he was like, man, I really want... Mages, Maces and Magikarps. <laughs> no, no, first season. season two. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was like, man, I really want to play D&D. I really want to do that. And Aaron and Irene get along really well. And uh, Irene was a little, like, intimidated. Because she, she really wanted to do it, too. 
so like having Aaron be there and and them knowing each other as long as as they did, I was like, well, they're both new players D and D. Travis and Logan can obviously carry their own weight, and I think that those four would be a good pairing for a second season and i think you guys did great for i don't know if you wanted to talk about it travis but you you were not playing your character you played in in season one you're playing a new person right in season one i played wendy uh who i really like i really liked playing that character um but when the prospect of season two came up and the idea well the when it was sort of set up in season one that that these characters um would likely be used again in, in further seasons. Um, I realized that I would need some time off with Wendy before because I had sort of envisioned her as um, someone who just has like a lesson to learn and then the character is kind of done, is kind of uh, wrapped up. And then that happened by the end of the season. So I needed some time to figure out what to do with her. So I decided I would play someone else um, for season two. So I'm playing um, kind of neither of them are very fun people to hang out with but in opposite ways they're they're also they're both very domineering people but in very opposite ways wendy is um from the nobility so she is um very keen on letting you know she's more important than you is the shorthand um but i'm playing baruch this time uh and i won't do the voice on this show you'll have to you'll have to listen to mazes and monsters to get to get that Mace uh, magic curves. what did i say monsters you're like the sbj character who just can't get the name right oh uh, yeah mazes and monsters is the uh anti D movie what, that came yeah, out in yeah. the 80s <laughs> the mazes and magic carps is a pun on anyway baruch is very loud he thinks that everyone loves him um he doesn't like solving problems in any other way than smashing them. So it's a very different character than uh, Wendy. So that's fun. Um, it's also fun going from the, the serious character of season one that Wendy was. I mean, she was funny, too, sometimes, but to completely a comic relief character. So may I ask a fan continuity question at this point? Yeah. So when you introduce the character of Baruch, you say that he's 14 years old, but then yep. go on to say that he went to school with Stant. And no, 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 no. Stant, well, <laughs> the way that you described it, you said that you, he and Stant were like old school chums. No, they and were, I was didn't like, go to school together. Stant, we did not say that at all. No, when Baruch was young, he knew Stant. Stant was not young at that point. The continue, the If you really want to get into the backstory... The idea is that um, so Baruch uh, comes from this barbarian clan that has a as a tradition that when um, their kids turn 14, which Baruch is, they go on that they're sent off to live uh, with civilized people for uh, for a period of time so that they can learn why their clan chooses not to do that. So they can realize that while there's a lot of. Uh, there might be riches to be found and there might be a lot of luxury in the civilized world, That there's also a lot of harshness and unfairness. And then uh, it's up to them to decide if they want to stay or not. So that's what Baruch is doing. But when Baruch was younger, he was very curious of um, things outside of the clan. And he would occasionally see this wandering druid named Stant, Stant Willow, which is Logan's character. Um, and when 
Baruch was a kid, he would follow Stan around um, and kind of steal his things, thinking Stan didn't notice. But Stan just thought it was kind of adorable because this little child thought he was getting away with things. So that's right. the connection they have. So, yeah, that didn't come across at all. And it literally well, yeah, we didn't like, get all the way into that. Yeah, But yeah, it, it literally <laughs> sounded like you guys went to school together and would like do hijinks, like stealing people's breakfast together. <laughs> I can understand because we didn't really get into the we haven't gotten into the full backstory yet that I just explained. But yeah, so I can see where that misconception would come. But, yeah, because I was like, Stan we thought has had through. several adult relationships and he can't be 14 years old. <laughs> no, we've we've uh, Logan and I have had the conversation of figuring out the the uh, the friendship question mark between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's. Episode one is in iTunes. You can just search for Mythical or or Mazes of Magikarps or Dungeons and Dragonites. Yeah, any of those terms will get you to that podcast in iTunes. Or it's on SoundCloud or Stitcher, wherever wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you want to check that out, that's really cool. The actual episode starts about 45 minutes in. The first 45 minutes are them just making their characters and rolling dice and, and stuff like that. If you care to watch that live, it happens uh, every Tuesday on Twitch. I think there's one day, there's one week where it's going to be a Wednesday, but the schedule for that is on the Twitch page, twitch.tv slash pkmncast. So every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Central Time, we had a pretty good turnout the first night. Uh, oh, and so the reason I brought this up is because my office is a disaster because I have so many monitors and microphones and cables going everywhere because while Irene is in it, I still need to manage everything through OBS, and so I'm like running another monitor and all these cables across the room. So my whole that has been my week, been a mess. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how we made that transition to where we are now. I think that's good, right? We made it. We we're here. We're here to bring you some Pokemon news. I lost my articles. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> all right. First bit of news is there is a Pokemon Sun and Moon branded new Nintendo 3DS XL. That is going to be coming out before the games. Uh, where's the date? Yes, that is available on October 28th. It is the Solgaleo Lunala Black Edition new Nintendo 3DS that will come out uh, slightly before Pokemon Sun and Moon, which is November 18th. If you forgot, it will retail at the same cost as other 3DSs at $199.99 uh, United States money. And uh, it doesn't come with a copy of the game because why would it? Because first off, it's, it's coming out before that. And secondly, I feel like every special edition Nintendo 3DS no longer comes with games. Like the uh, Monster Sometimes Hunter they do, sometimes they don't. The, uh, but definitely the X and Y special edition 3DS XLs did not come with a copy of the game. The Animal Crossing one did. Yeah, I think the Majora's Mask one did not come with the copy of the game. Well, maybe it did. Huh. Can we talk about how beautiful this new 3DS XL is? It's okay. Uh, I am kind of happy that they're only coming out with one, because with X and Y, they had the blue one and the red one. And the red one was obviously superior, but now you don't have to make that choice of which <laughs> one you're going to get. It's just one. I, it looks I, real good. I have right now the the Monster Hunter new 3DS, and before that, I had the special edition yellow Pikachu 3DS, 
And I've seen all the X, I like I've seen all the X and Y ones and the black, the Pokemon black and white ones and everything. I am just not a fan of them using the standard PNG art and just throwing it on. Like the Pikachu 3DS is specific. You prefer JPEG? <laughs> right. Put, give me some JPEG. <laughs> Don't give me any. So the Pikachu 3DS, like that design is specific to the 3DS. I mean, yeah, it's just a Pikachu had blown up, but like you, I I couldn't just Google that art and find it. Like that Solgaleo and Lunala is your is what we've seen them in in every pose. The only difference is it's it's a stencil art, but it's the same exact image. And they did that with black and white, and they did that with X and Y, where it was just like here's a Zekrom and here's Rushram, and it is the same exact thing you would see on Bulbapedia. Same with Evatile and Xerneas. I don't know. I just want a. Le- I'm just being I'm just being picky when it comes to designs. Like I just would prefer something more custom instead of just your standard silhouette. Well, you're right because they the one that they came out with that was Japan only that we really should still be furious that we didn't get was the one that had the artwork of it was the gold 3DS XL or LL oh, yeah. with the with the like sort of the silhouette of Xerneas and then all the trees and then the starters were up in the trees and then the backside had eveltal yes. like over some mountains just and pulled that the up right starters. now, now that so beautiful is some <laughs> legit 3ds art why don't we get that like i'm looking at the red and blue ones they're they're literally the art assets that that pokemon sends out to everyone of like here's what here's your official png of of xerneas because gold. you people keep buying it every time hey i didn't buy those Ugh. I actually bought two of those. You bought both of them? I bought the red one for myself and the blue one as a gift for someone else. I'm not saying the... (laughs) I'm not saying the Monster Hunter 3DS is is that great. Like, the Monster Hunter 3DS is just a close-up of some monster's fur, and then it's just one of the Monster Hunter symbols. I'm not sure which monster that is, but... But that gold Pokemon 3DS, that one's legit. The one we never got. So that's coming out if uh, if you don't have a new 3DS XL, it might be worth upgrading if you like to collect Pokemon stuff. The, the new 3DS doesn't do anything that great. No games use that little nub besides like Monster Hunter and one other game. No, no one plays with the 3D on anymore. Do you play with the 3D on, Will? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, but I do use that little nubby on Monster Hunter all the time. Really? See, I yeah. so I originally got um a, like a shell because when I play Monster Hunter, like my hands cramp. It's like one of the game. It's not like you're playing Pokemon where you're you're you could play Pokemon with a DS on the table and just kind of you know what I mean. Yep. Where Monster Hunter, you're like gripping it and you're holding down multiple buttons and all that stuff. So. My hands started cramping when I played Monster Hunter, so I got a grip. And the grip was nice, but it I have smaller hands, so I couldn't actually reach the nub comfortably anymore. So because of that, I've, I learned to just use the L button a lot, which refocuses the camera behind you. So I stopped using the nub completely. Then fast forward to like two weeks ago where I got a better grip, the official Monster Hunter Generations grip. Uh, and I can reach the nub again, but since I've taught myself how to use the L button, I I never use the little nub anymore at all. I'm nub oh. I'm nub free. Got that nub free life. You say potato, I say I don't eat a lot of starches. 
love starch. Let me tell I you. I know you do. <laughs> let me tell you about some more starch. There are new sun and moon cards coming to the trading card game. <laughs> that was a bad transition. I was waiting for it. I had hope. I had high hopes. <laughs> Who, who's the potato Pokemon? I would say Grubbin. No, because that's not a vegetable. He's. I'm sure he's full of starch and electricity. Mm. I demand a potato Pokemon in the Alola region. All right. Alolan Meowth and Grubbin are the first two Sun and Moon cards shown for the trading card game. In Japan, the Sun and Moon collection will be releasing December 9th. And it shows the Alolan Meowth, which is a dark type, and it shows Grubbin, which is grass. Neither have anything uh, fantastic about them. They're just kind of base cards. Uh, Grubbin is shown to move to have the move Vice Grip, so maybe that's something to take. That hey, possibly that line in the game will no Vice Grip. If you like, if you like cards, they're coming. Yeah, I'll probably go to a T, uh, TCG pre-release in January just to have fun. I, I like to go to the pre-releases because it's kind of like low commitment and fun. Yeah, Still. where you're you're not like completely stressed out and you leave with something. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more stressful in my life than playing Pokemon cards. It is stressful because uh, everyone's so mean. You've never been to an official tournament for Pokemon cards, Travis. Yeah, you just I don't know. know. I know. You don't want to be. I, I was literally at an eight-hour Vanguard tournament yesterday, and it was so much fun. It's like just the amount of contrast to a Pokemon tournament, it was amazing. And it was just like, this is what TCGs are supposed to be. <laughs> That's the end of my story. Go on. Good, good. I, I uh, almost forgot some news here, but I, I pulled it up while you were telling that amazing story. All right. I guess the big news related to the games this week is the English names for UB02 Ultra Beast were revealed. An English trailer featuring UB02 Absorption and UB02 Beauty. The two new Ultra Beasts were revealed in this month's Korra Korra. UB Absorption, which is known as UB Expansion in Japan, will appear only in Pokemon Sun. The extent of its strength is unknown. Its entire body is covered with bulging, powerful muscles. Its long mouth is said to be harder than diamonds. Beauty or zero UB zero two beauty same name in Japanese will appear in Pokemon Moon. Its narrow legs allow it to accelerate with such explosive speed that people claim it can dodge lightning. It is said that any Pokemon that sees UB zero two beauty, regardless of its own gender, will become infatuated with it and lose the will to battle. It is undetermined whether it's due to uh, pheromones it, ex- it exudes or a hypotonic effect induced by its appearance. Hypnotic? Hypnotic, yep. Hypno. Nice. Yes, solid. In the trailer, UBO2 is seen coming into the Alola region through a portal and fighting Tapu Koko in front of Hala. But they also showed um, absorption. Yeah, uh, UBO. You said UBO too. That's right. Yeah. Oops. Words. <sighs> so, uh, so Andrew, Andrew Sensai, which I think is his Twitter name, but Andrew in Slack, correct. 
Uh, mentioned that the that so far the three UBs we've seen were based off pests. Uh, both UBO2 look like well, UB uh, absorption looks like a mosquito. UBO2 looks like what, like a a roach? Does look like a cockroach. Yeah, it's got like two long antlers, and then the sort of back part looks like a cockroach shell. Yeah, and then. The first one's more of like a jellyfish, and he then linked an article. Because when you think pests, you don't really think of jellyfish right off the bat. You think of more like mice or, or. Well, it depends on how much you swim in the ocean. Bugs. If you've ever not been able to swim in the ocean because there was a field of jellyfish coming through, you'd understand. When yes. I think of pests, I think of like rats or people that try to talk to me about Game of Thrones. <laughs> but yeah, so he so he linked an article that that pretty much said that I think it was Britain had like a jellyfish problem recently and they kept referring to them as pests and blah blah blah, but I guess that's that's kind of this new thing where more jellyfish have been uh bothering more shorelines. I I only read the article once and it was like a week or two ago, but I don't know. It kind of makes sense. Like, no one really likes mosquitoes or or roaches or jellyfish. Like I can I can think of jellyfish as great and beautiful when it's at a zoo behind glass and they're floating peacefully. I probably wouldn't want to swim next to one. Uh, yeah, if you've uh, ever been touched by a Portuguese man of war, you would know what true pain is. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I don't, I guess, yeah, a lot of people who d- haven't spent a lot of time around the ocean may not know that jellyfish have, like, this, their their tentacles that fall off of them are, are, like, exude, I don't know if it's a poison or something, but it is extremely painful if it touches you. And Portuguese Man of War is the worst and the most painful. Yeah, so... Prior to the recent trailer that showed these UBO2s off, I probably would have been more leaning towards the Ultra Beast line was maybe something not catchable. Because Pokemon TCPI still has not used the word Pokemon when talking about Ultra Beast. Correct. But when they came through the portal and started to fight Tapu Koko, that really solidified to me that, oh, these are, maybe that these are considered quote-unquote legendary beasts, like they did with the, with like Entai and stuff, and they're just using the term Ultra Beast for now. But it may, like, Uh, that trailer made it seem like, okay, like, they're version exclusive, they're probably catchable. I was wondering if they are not catchable and they act like bosses like uh, in between gyms or something like that. Oh, so like in, like getting rid of the gyms, having the four islands, and then these possibly being like bosses. Oh, I, 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 wouldn't con- I didn't consider getting rid of I was just thinking of them like, like, you know, Pokemon X and Y had that long stretch between, forget if it's gyms one and two or two and three. Um... But may but like you can imagine if you put like a boss fight in the middle there, it wouldn't feel as um, long of a stretch. And I was wondering. And my my thought is that they might put these in between a few gyms to uh, spice things up in the same way that they typically do with uh, 
rival teams have a chunk of the game in between a few of the gyms. Hmm. Well, we're, I think you're right. You think so? You don't think <laughs> no, so? I, Do you guys think agree. they're catchable or no? Travis, you're going to uh, no, go with I don't no? Think that... Yeah, I don't think they're going to be catchable, um, and I do believe they are part of the story, the overall story. And, and yeah, just like how in uh, Black and White you had the interlacing of the story between the gyms and you had to do, like, the the sage battles and stuff as, as a boss battle between the gyms, that this is going to be along those lines. All right. That you'll have to have an Ultra Beast encounter and get past the encounter before you can move on to whatever your next thing is going to be. And I, I, yeah, cause I just think I feel like the ultra beasts are somehow extra dimensional so that the rules of the Pokemon world don't really apply to them. And they're actually coming across and into the Pokemon. You world. don't think like Deoxys is extra dimensional. Deoxys no. is from space. And Deoxys is a, what, not a bacteria. What a, a what about virus? What about Hoopa? Hoopa's whole gimmick is it like creates dimensions? No, Hoopa's gimmick is that it bridges time and space, but it isn't that a dimension? dimension. It <laughs> manipulates dimensions. It doesn't come from another dimension. Okay, so if if they are Pokemon, then they're catchable. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to, right? Every Pokemon is catchable. Correct. And that I would say that's evidence for the theory that they are not catchable because it seems like they would call them Pokemon by now if if that were the case. Also, I just want to make the point that UBO2 absorption is extremely unsettling. <laughs> because of its like pointy mouth? Because thing? it's like a Johnny Bravo mosquito. I don't want uh, any of this. Yeah. <laughs> Do, they did mention that there are more Ultra Beasts than this. That was yeah, because I'm UBO seven. That fair. That that was something that was pointed out uh, in the trailer. That I think they said like there could possibly be even more Ultra Beasts or something very generic like that. Uh, do we want do we want to touch on the gender thing? There's a gender thing. Yeah. So uh, UBO two is beauty, and then this is regardless of its own gender. Regardless of its own gender, it will become infatuated. It will become infatuated with it, and will lose. Any Pokemon that sees it, regardless of its gender. So, male Pokemon, female Pokemon, I'm assuming genderless Pokemon. Genderless. Uh, do you think that... Well, I'm, I'm going to say I think that's cool. Do you think that's a response to the amount of gender talk that's kind of happened in 2015, 2016? Or that there is some real lore behind that? Because if there's lore behind that, they're going to be looking at more so something in myth or in legends that would state that, you know, anything is uh, I just use something like Medusa, no matter whatever, whatever legend or story you're told, if you look at Medusa, you become stone, right? I wouldn't, I do not think that this is um, an attempt to be progressive or anything like that. In fact, it's, if that were the case, it would be incredibly strange to try to be progressive about uh, gender by saying here here is a monster that all monsters are attracted <laughs> to. Like that is that doesn't mean anything. Well, that's why I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> I I think it's more your your second idea that it's probably pulling from 
some mythology that doesn't come immediately to the top of my head, but just this general idea of, I guess that beauty is uh, thinking about it in, in, um, as this like platonic ideal that there is some concept of pure beauty of, of, um, a beauty that's undeniable regardless of your proclivities, I think is maybe the idea that they're, they're going for. I I don't think this is progressive. Yeah. Or like some attempt at inclusivity. Cause if it were, it would be very strange. (laughs) I I would say in any way that it's, um, would refer possibly to the six different types of love that were expressed in Greek, ancient Greek, which of course everyone is, familiar with yeah i mean i have my ancient greek book right in front of me you got your eros your go for it yeah eros philos or whatever the brothers one is athena wow is athena one that's a a god that's a greek name dropped after two there's the the agape i get you got agape cupid cupid that's one you got um all right, let's put everyone out of their misery. There is yeah. Eros, which is physical. I would say three is pretty good for someone who has wow. except no that you are training a study in like Greek mythology. Except you studied philosophy, which is highly based in knowledge of Greek society. Anyways, uh, Eros being physical only, um, philia, which is a very strong friendship, ludus, which is playful or flirting. Uh, agape which is your overall love for humanity and the world pragma which is love that has lasted for a long time and this one's hard to pronounce philautia which is the love you feel for yourself i got a lot of that (laughs) you you could say that uh ubo2 inspires a feeling of philia which would make you not want to attack it and right. it is a type of love. Okay. No, that's awesome. Um, that that sounds better than anything we've had up to this point. <laughs> Bizarre gender politics? Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. There's your two UBs. They're the same in some aspect. I, I, I still... It's, it's clear that Pokemon has shown us very specific things of the UBs with the intention that there is just not enough information. The words they've chosen, the the images they've shown, even the trailer is very specific to enough to cause speculation, but not enough to validate anyone's speculation. Yeah, it's clear that we're all very confused about what the UBs are and what they mean. I think that's what's clear. I think the extra-dimensional aspect that you mentioned that definitely gets conjured up in my mind as well when i think of these things comes from the naming convention of ubo1 ubo2 it sounds like uh, some sort of government classification that's hidden away in an archive that uh that that we weren't supposed to know about like some sort of (laughs) x-files thing like warehouse 13 sure I'm is that not... that show? Is that that show where like it's just a big warehouse and they find like spooky things every week? It, basically, yes. That sounds like a good show. <laughs> I think I, I think my mom liked that show. I loved that show. It it was also in the same universe as um, shoot, what's the town? It was like the town on the west coast, Eureka or whatever. Yeah, 
Man, those two shows were the bomb. <laughs> All right. Well, transitions exist. I don't have a good one. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the two YouTube trailers for Pokemon, not trailers, shorts, animated shorts for Pokemon Generation. We are back from our break to talk about Pokemon Generations. I think this is, uh, yeah, 18 episodes. So if you don't know what this is, Pokemon Generations looks back at each generation of the Pokemon video game series, diving into the stories of the games more deeply and getting to know the characters and the Pokemon better. Visit each region from Kanto to Kalos to relive the world of Pokemon like never before, Pokemon Generations will consist of 18 episodes, each running between 3 and 5 minutes in length. The first two episodes will launch September 16th, which was a couple days ago. And then they show just this trailer that looked very much in the style of Pokemon uh, Origins. And yeah... We have the first two trailers now. I think all of us have watched them. I watched them twice. I watched them actually right before we recorded. Just uh, First two episodes. First two episodes, yes. I don't know if there's like an overall arcing premise here. Let me just read what the YouTube uh, comment says. Or the YouTube synopsis. So all these are on YouTube. They're on... You can just go to YouTube.com slash Pokemon. It's on the official page. The first episode, which is titled The Adventure, is... From Viridian Forest to Terminus Cave, see the Pokemon world as never before. Oh, this is where I read. This is where I read it. Pokemon Generation revisits each generation of the Pokemon video game to shed new light and some new light on some timeless moments. From early day in Kanto to the splendor of the Kalos region, go behind the scenes and witness Pokemon history with new eyes. These bite-side adventures are three to five minutes long, will be released every week through december 23rd so it will end on december 23rd there you go so i feel like that's two a week well, maybe uh, yeah probably because it's about nine wait weeks. Uh, four it's not 18 weeks december four weeks 18 weeks to christmas i guess so what? do i need to start my christmas shopping no four weeks in december four weeks in let's talk november. about math here november four weeks in october oh that's 16 i guess no that's 12 that's 12 and we still have uh, two weeks, two Fridays still... left in September. So that's so 14. fourteen. And then you're—did t- you already count the weeks into December that this will be? Because it doesn't end December first or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I counted. No, yeah, I counted four weeks. So that that must mean that there are two. There would be two episodes not released at that schedule. So I'm assuming that one or one, two weeks out of the next fourteen. We'll have an extra episode. Uh, well, no. Also, keep in mind. So, right, we just counted fourteen weeks plus the two that have already aired. That's so sixteen. That brings us up to sixteen. So then, yeah, one week has or, or two weeks have two extra episodes. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. So the first episode already has three point five million views on YouTube. I think that's the only way to watch it. It opens with 
uh, version of Pokemon Red, very similar to how Pokemon Origins opened. And then right away, as every great trainer does, encounters a Pikachu, doesn't do any damage, just goes to the item slot right away, selects the Pokeball, catches the Pikachu. And that is when we transition into the animation, which is very good animation. Um, And we also see a, not a new design, but a differently drawn Pikachu. A different interpretation. Yes. Yes. It It was a a little uh, chubbier, I think. It's a bit more rounder of a head. Yeah. A bit more mouse than other Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. it. I like this episode a lot. I think I'll I'll just give the the basic premise and we can break that down. Uh, It starts with an unknown trainer. And really, besides the initial picking up the Pokeball, the trainer has nothing to do with this story. And I like that. Uh, We see the Pikachu go from region to region to places that we've all been throughout the series and battle Pokemon in a way we haven't seen really happen. And the trailer... How does the trailer... The trailer ends with Pikachu attacking... The Pikachu encountering uh, a Zygarde. Correct. And so we were... It's back with the trainer at that point. Yeah. Uh, and it's Zygarde uh, complete form, which hasn't been really been shown before. Right. We see Zygarde power up, and then the the camera pans into the sky, and it comes down and says Pokemon Generation. I would I would actually say that this would this is more of an episode zero in my eyes. This is just a you would show this to maybe somebody who is very high on Pokemon Go but hasn't played Pokemon since the 90s. You would show this to somebody who, you know, is maybe currently playing Red or Blue on their iPhone or something or their computer because they jailbroke it or whatever. Um, obviously, this is fanfare for us being po- for loving Pokemon, but there there's no real story here. It's more of a... Remember everything you've done up to this point. I think that's a very good way to describe almost with taking away the second comment. I think that's a very good way to describe both of the episodes seen we've seen so far. They're pretty light on story. They're more like little vistas into the Pokemon world and nods to things we know from the games. Well, and I would say the underlying subtext of the first one, um, the adventure, is the reminder that, right, you, well, I mean, technically you couldn't have, but that Pikachu that you caught in Viridian Forest, you could have had with you through all of this time and is now, you know, like up to the point of X and Y, you could have had that Pikachu with you battling by your side the entire time. (laughs) Right. Through through all the generations. I, I think if you break down the battles more clearly, those battles themselves are telling individual stories. I think encountering a Pikachu when we all played Red and Blue for the first time, I think was probably the most exciting thing we, we had, right? Because when you got the game, you knew kind of which starter you were getting. The, the excitement wasn't there. It was... 
oh my god, I want Bulbasaur. Well, no one said that. Oh my god, I want Charmander. Oh my god, I want Squirtle, right? And then to me, I remember very distinctly playing these games and going, the first Pokemon I want to catch is Pikachu, right? Because the anime was such a big crutch at the time of like, the anime is what, how I discovered Pokemon. Yeah, but you also used a Master Ball and a Gold Duck, so I would be hesitant to (laughs) universalize your experience. And I also started with Pokemon Yellow, so I started with a Pikachu. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I do do recognize that, because Pikachu is the first, if memory serves, is the first Pokemon that you encounter that has a low encounter rate, because... It's if harder I'm, to find. Th- yeah, if I think back, I think that all of the Pokemon you see up to that point are pretty easy to find. Like they have like a f- at the lowest probably like a thirty percent chance of seeing them or something. So it's it's like they're pretty easy to find. And then I think doesn't Pikachu have like a five percent chance in Viridian Forest? Yeah, that's the first time you find them is in Viridian Forest, and yeah, it's the hardest one to find in that area. I think you have Weedle and. Pidgey and Caterpie, which are all very easy to find. Then you have Kakuna and Metapod, which are slightly harder to find. And then you have Pikachu. So it's your first experience with rarity in the game, really. Yeah. Uh, We move on to the second battle, which is in Johto. We see Pikachu battling three Wooper. I don't know why Pikachu's battling three Wooper instead of one Wooper. That's all right. Uh, But we see Pikachu Thundershock these Wooper. And the expression on Pikachu's face is... That didn't work. These whooper are in water. Water is weak to electricity. Again, I think that is a throwback of our first experience in Johto and really seeing new types. That was the first time we saw, if I'm not mistaken, a water ground, a water type that is not weak to electric. Yes, I believe that the whooper is that first of that. Correct. Uh, we move on to everyone's favorite generation three where we see. Wait, a- wait, 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 wait. You're skipping something important. After the whoopers strike back at Pikachu and he's falling off the tree, he bounces off of Lugia. Yeah. There's, they just <laughs> use... Well, I think it's funny because they use, they use the legendary Pokemon as the transition. So from Caterpie to Wooper, we see a Zapdos. From Wooper to Vigoroth, we see a Lugia. It's just... That's how they cleverly hid transitions, which I think is fine. Um, we go to the Hoenn Weather Institute. We see Pikachu battling a Vigoroth. I don't have much memory with with Generation Three. I played it after Generation Four, so I'm not. When I when when I see the Weather Institute, that doesn't strike back any memories to me. Uh, they used Latios and Latias as the transition there. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that. I mean, I thought the I thought it was a fine segment. I just I don't know where the Weather Institute ranks on people's familiarity with jo- with Hoenn. Well, but that was Hoenn's thing. It was that it was the introduction introduction of weather conditions. Oh, there you go. Cool. Yeah. Completely All I know is my is my friend gave me a level one hundred Vigoroth. It's not a lie. <laughs> so that makes complete Act. sense now. Uh, Generation three introduced weather. The weather institute. Institute. We move to Sinnoh at Snow Temple at Snow Point Temple. Uh, we see Pikachu fighting everyone's favorite. Uh, is it Probo Pass or is it Nose Pass? The, I think it was Probo Pass. The one with I the mustache. I remember the big mustache. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, we see Pikachu fighting that, and then we see a Regigigas come up for the transition. Again, I I haven't played Generation Four since it came out. Uh, 
I don't remember the importance of Snowpoint Temple. Well, well, don't ask me because okay, <laughs> Travis, anything? It was a long time ago. I remember the area. I don't have a recollection of of where it comes in the story or what or generation it serves. But I but I remember the I remember the whole like snowy region at the north of Sinnoh and all that sort of thing. Though is Sinnoh the one with the the volcano with the grass that you go through and you can pick up the ash? Is that Sinnoh? That is Hoenn. That is Hoenn. Huh. Okay. Sinnoh has um, uh, Mount Coronet, the big mountain in the middle. Got it. Well, Snow Point is where you would encounter Reggie Giggles. So, I there you go. Is 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 that is that Reggie Giggles's temple? Is that I never got the Reggies originally in the game. I wasn't sure if you're supposed to get all three uh, Reggies and then go there. You have to bring them. Okay, so you do yeah. have to get you you do have to get the three Reggies and then bring them to get Reggie Giggles, right? Yeah. Okay. See, we'll, we all solve this together. Uh, Reggie Gigas transitions into Unova. Uh, we see Pikachu uh, acting as Nathan Drake here, struggling across this desert region. I was, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh, like the fact that he had, he got to the sandy part of the floor and fell through, yeah. which was how you navigated that. Uh, the is it relic, relic castle is that what it was uh, called the relic Correct. the relic temple i thought yeah that that i love that throwback or that whatever call out to that yeah i think to me it reminds me of how frustrating that temple that that falling through the sand was it is relic castle oh is it okay uh we see the trainer in the background this is the first time the trainer appears since the caterpie fight if i'm not mistaken uh, and again, the there's no focus on the trainer, which I like a lot because I think it's supposed. I, I I'm strongly in favor of this trailer invoking your experiences with the game because again, we're all saying like we remember this. This is what we remember about this generation. Like for me, falling through the hole in the temple and then going back up and then accidentally falling through it again, kind of frustrating. <laughs> and so that's what this part of the the episode reminded me of. Pikachu gets sucked into the sand, falls through, and encounters a Volcarona, one of Will's favorite Pokemon. Yup, I was so happy. Uh, <laughs> one of the coolest battle sequences here is when Pikachu slams onto the floor and uses it as a shield, uh, protecting itself from what I believe to be is a heat wave. Volt tackles Volcarona into the slab, and then we see a Thunderous out of, I don't, or not a Thunderous, a Landorus. Uh, as the transition into Terminus Cave for the Kalos region. And we see the Minecart and a Noivern chasing that. Out of all Pokemon, Noivern is the, the Generation 6 choice. I guess that's okay. It's kind of the pseudo-legendary dragon dealie, maybe? Sorry, I sneezed. No, that'd be Gudra. Um, no. I had to mute myself because I sneezed. I I like Noivern. I think Noivern's a really cool Pokemon. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> it's a Noivern. One of the few Pokemon that can learn Boom Burst. Well, but also Noivern is the one that you encounter in that series of caves around where Zygarde is. So, I mean, as much as I like Kalos, I wouldn't say that the minecart area of Kalos was the the part of the game that stood out to me. Well, because you're not a completionist and you didn't have to walk all of those different paths and figure out that <laughs> stupid maze to try to get to every different area in that cave. I feel like the 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 part that really screams Kalos was the tower 
the wannabe Eiffel Tower. But that's just me. Uh, finally, the Neuvern disappears and we transition to the trainer and Pikachu walking up to a giant crater in the ground. We see Zygarde complete form there, uh, powering up, pushing back Pikachu, and then floating into the sky, which then brings us to the generation title screen. Hard to tell which region it was floating out of, but... Presumably Alola, given that Zygarde complete, or 100% or whatever it's called, is in Sun and Moon and right. not X and Y. Well... I don't think so, because the transition is the trainer and Pikachu get off of the minecart, and that's where Zygarde complete is, and then he's oh, rising yeah, up right. into the air out of the ground. Yeah, the clouds come in really fast, but it there was no bodies of water around the area, but again, that's just... They, I don't know what this, the exact scale was for that. Um, yeah, I liked, I liked the first trailer. I like the, I keep calling them trailers cause they're so short. Uh, I, I liked the first episode a lot. I think that it really hit home on a lot of those generations and the feels, especially for me, uh, Kanto, Johto. Did you guys have any other final thoughts on that or anything else you wanted to mention? I feel like I talked a lot, but I was just trying to break down the trailer. Well, I'm just very happy to have seen Volcarona featured. You two really like these things, don't you? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. I think they're animated beautifully and they're done very well, but I, I don't really like, I guess. And I might have talked about this on the show before, but I'm not the type of Pokemon player that can name all of the gym leaders in basically any generation. I'm not the type of person who I bet I bet you could do generation one. Uh, don't try me. Um, <laughs> I'm not the type of person who gets immersed in the environments of the Pokemon world. There are certain fictional worlds that I love, and I love uh, learning more about and exploring. But um, my, my even though Pokemon is my favorite game series by a mile, my enjoyment of it has never been very closely tied to uh, locality or those sort of like spatial experiences or or even really the lore of the of the series it's it's not something that's grabbed me i when i have been grabbed by things about pokemon other than character designs the pokemon designs the um the gameplay it's the the game's stories when they are interesting like uh generation 5 was not the sort of background information or the uh, or the setting, which kind of both of these shorts have been focused on, sort of just adding to the lore of the universe. So it's it's not really. I think they're both pretty and they're both well done, but but neither of them have a have a story to tell, and that's kind of disappointing to me. Did you did you see uh, the four episodes of Pokemon Origins, Travis? Yeah. And did, well, how would you compare that series to what you've seen so far of Generations? It's been quite a while, but I liked origins and besides that like you you probably haven't seen an anime episode in a while yeah that's fair i mean i've caught a few here or there of, i mean i've seen a few of the newest incarnation and i saw a few i mean for, for pre- pretty much every incarnation of the show i've seen an episode or two okay all right yeah i think th- i think that's an interesting dynamic where the lore or the animation of the stories is something that travis obviously just said that is not his draw whereas 
Will, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you definitely like the stories that are being told, especially if you look at Black and White and Black and White 2, which are the most story-oriented games. You really enjoyed that, and I don't, but I'm a big fan of the lore and why Pokemon exist in the world and relate to each other. I just don't care for the the fourth story in my Pokemon journey, if that makes any sense. I, I think it's interesting because both of us made a pretty strong distinction. And I realize you were asking Will a question. Here I am talking, but um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that we both made the clear distinction between lore and story in the um, in the Pokemon games, because I think there is a pretty clear one um, between the actual story of the game and then digging into the the places and how they fit with each other. I like the story. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too, and I don't really like the lore. Although, uh, ask me about Elder Scrolls lore, and I'll be sitting there for 20 <laughs> minutes about Boethia, Prince of Plots. Yeah, and like, I don't know how to... For some people, they might not know the difference between story and lore, which is kind of hard to break down. I'm trying to think of like two clear-cut examples that would be very easy to point out. I think story is Harry Potter def- story is Harry Potter defeating the villains in each book. The lore is knowing about um like knowing the potion recipes, knowing <laughs> uh, knowing the things that Harry learns in herbology class or knowing about all of the beasts in the Harry Potter world. Story is the the main narrative focus of a of of fiction and then the lore is the background information that makes that story feel real because it's placed in a real world and that's especially true of of fantasy fiction because it's um the world sort of needs to prove itself as opposed to fiction that's more grounded in the real world typically doesn't have lore because it doesn't need to establish the world we already live in right i would i would say that we had we had this we had a debate in our Slack community last week about somewhat about this and I don't know how I got started but my complaint with the story in in X and Y is that the the story in X and Y is a saving the world story it is that this cannon is going to go off and blow up the world and your job is to stop it and I didn't like I liked X and Y a lot. I hated that aspect of it. When I started playing R- Red and Blue, when I got into Pokemon, it wasn't because I wanted to save the world. It was because I wanted to be a Pokemon trainer. And I felt like Red and Blue and even Gold and Silver and a couple other games, it felt like my journey of becoming a Pokemon trainer and being quote unquote the best there ever was. Because when I beat the champion at the end, I felt like I am the best pokemon trainer in this game i didn't sign up to save the world there are plenty of other games that do the save the world mechanic like every final fantasy or and final fantasy is a great example you buy a final fantasy you know what you're getting every time you're getting the save the world story every single time you're getting a scene where the two main characters lean across a railing and do fake laughs for about (laughs) 60 seconds (laughs) so when i buy a pokemon game i want that experience i want the experience of i signed up to be the best pokemon trainer and i didn't sign up for a save the world story now my problem with x and y was that the story leaned into the lore in a way i didn't like 
the story was saying that the only reason this cannon works is because we need an Xerneas or we need a Yvatel to power the cannon. I didn't play both, so I'm, I'm pretty sure they just flipped the two Pokemon. And I didn't like that because I feel like most legendary Pokemon don't need story to make their lore interesting. Like Mewtwo isn't mentioned really at all in the first game besides subtle hints and like the diary uh, that you find on the, um, the island or in, the, in the, the Sylph Tower. But when you discover Mewtwo and when you find Mewtwo and whether you catch it or not because you wasted your Master Ball earlier, Mewtwo still has a lot of lore where when you think of Yvatel and Xerneas, it's hard to think about them without going, well, they were used in a tool for the canon, which was part of the story, which just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Pokemon. I have no idea what you're talking about, so. <laughs> I know, I, 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 I get it. I, you know, I, I can understand that having a, a Pokemon that's supposed to be this, um, quite literally legendary creature um, that represents either life or death, depending on which one we're talking about. Um, so firmly connected to this particular crisis plot seems to uh, might devalue its status as the like, of Xerneas as the bringer of life. If it, uh, if your only connection with it, it, if it has a connection to the story that is only solving the plot that it's sort of cheapens that I don't really feel that effect because I feel like the Pokemon games do enough to show that these Pokemon have sort of other responsibilities or that they are that their relationship to you, even if you catch them is like, they've been doing a lot of stuff before you caught them, <laughs> uh, especially with like gen four with Arceus creating all of the, um, the lake spirits and, um, Dialga and Palkia and Giratina. Um, but to your other point, Pokemon has the same narrative confines that a lot of sequels tend to have, or a lot of series with multiple sequels, where you are always expected to be at least as... The, the climax is always expected to be at least as threatening as the previous entry in the series, if not more. So... They got to keep upping the ante. Right, and you can only... And it just it becomes sort of a... You you can only go so far as saving the world, right? Um, that it's... You, you sort of get to the logical conclusion of saving the world in every entry, and and Pokemon already basically got there in Gen three. But I feel like Gen four didn't have save the world. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, a a villainous team that's trying to like reset the creation of the <laughs> universe or whatever Team Galactic was trying to do with Dialga and Palkia, which I would I am, think is I am similarly. Glad. That you remembered that finally that they wanted to create a new universe, yes. But I mean, that's I would, not I saving the world. I, create well, your un, un, that, own universe. Go there, have fun. I'm still be here training my Pikachu. I would, I would, I would, can, I would consider that a similarly existential threat. Personally, while while I do get that the it does sadden me that that sequels tend to have that narrative um, restriction, not really restriction because they can do whatever they want, but uh, expectation is probably a better word um, because I would like each entry to sort of speak for itself. Um, 
I don't get too disappointed with it as long as what they do with saving the world is interesting. And I think generations five and six have both had interesting stories. Um, and I guess generation five wasn't really about saving the world, but it was about saving the, the, the current world order of uh, the yeah. relationship between trainers and Pokemon. Um, and I guess that team um, plasma wanted to take over the world, not necessarily destroy it, but I'm getting off on a tangent. I think it just devalues your your legendary Pokemon to put them in a situation where you have to catch them. Like in black and white, you couldn't not catch Zekrom or Reshiram. And so you're you're giving everyone a legendary Pokemon for free, ultimately, and you're not giving them the opportunity or the challenge to get what is considered the top tier Pokemon. Like getting to Mewtwo or finding Articuno or going out of your way to find Zapdos or I guess Moltres kind of existed. No one really went out of their way for that. But those Pokemon all felt exciting capture. They didn't feel like they were just randomly placed. Like the journey to get to them, I think, at least to me, was was extremely memorable. I I can see that point, but I think I can see that the mystique gets a little broken when it is a scripted element of the plot that you catch these Pokemon. But I feel like that same mystique is broken in all of those cases when then a battle later you're instructing Mewtwo to use Psychic. Like, if this Pokemon truly is this high and mighty world-controlling beast, then why does it listen to you? Because <laughs> um, of friendship and, and, I guess and love. And I, guess that's, <laughs> and I guess that's why the lore of the Pokemon games have always not really taken me, because there's so many inconsistencies, so many strange things about how they interact with the mechanics of the game that it doesn't feel like it's even trying. It feels like half of the time it's trying to be a real world, and then half of the time it's trying to be uh, like tongue-in-cheek, it's like yeah i'll start that sentence again part of the time is trying to be a real world that that you believe in and i can respect that if you want to do that then do it but then don't go and um bend the rules of your world just because the mechanics dictate it and don't bend the rules of the world just to like make a meme joke as a reference to the real world which bothers me in the pokemon series because it's not consistent with what they're trying to do that there's too many breaches in, in, in the world building for it, for me to really care about it. And I think chief among those are the very mechanics of the game that I love. Like I am not really going to buy that. These places are real places. If you know, these, these Pokemon that they talk about as gods are just like in my pocket currently. <laughs> yeah. I, it doesn't I, feel real. That was my other complaint with the, the X and Y story was we have this powerful Pokemon powering this cannon that can destroy the world when it's already been established in the lore that a Pokemon like Mewtwo or a Pokemon like Deoxys could easily do that on their own because they are that strong. Really that strong? Do you think Deoxys could destroy the world? Yes. Mm. I think think enough Pokemon could stop Deoxys from destroying the world but it is clearly proven in the Generation 6 story that a 10-year-old trainer could stop a giant cannon. Deoxys is not that strong. Not even half of its forms are even meta. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> so I will take this back one step to Ultra Beasts and the 
island challenges and all of that biz. I think that in doing that, the Pokemon company or Game Freak is trying to restore some of the mystique to the games because, once again, we're entering into a game and we don't know what to expect, right? There's no more expectation of legendary trios. I think that's gone out the window. Um, So you're not going into the game looking for the predefined, okay, what is the legendary trio for this one, which is the equivalent of the legendary birds uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a whole new world that we're going into, and hopefully we will be as delighted as we were for Red and Blue. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm just worried that these Ultra Beasts are purposely based off of the characters we've seen, and that that's weird. I don't know. Like, the only other comparison is Mewtwo is kind of related to Giovanni, but not really. Like, are they, like, cousins? Like, you can take or leave that. Like, like in the, the very first movie, how Giovanni tried to control Mewtwo with the equipment, and the reason that Mewtwo is in Cerulean Cave is because it ran away, and that's where it ended up going. And, like, Giovanni was the one that paid to have Mewtwo created, if I'm not mistaken. He was the uh, one that I, paid the scientists. Yeah. Right. In the movie, definitely, yes. Yeah, I think that is also in the game. I don't know. That's all right. I, I can't, I can't I say. I think it's also in the game. Because I feel like... Ask, the- me, so- ask me something about the moon disc. Give me the Elder Scrolls and I can give you the answer. <laughs> Let's talk about the second trailer. It is titled The Chase. It has two points. It's, it's an episode, not a trailer. Yeah, you call I keep, it the I second keep, short. The second short? I keep saying trailer. Uh, I feel like it's leading up to a bigger story. <laughs> it has 2.2 million views, which doesn't make any sense. How does it have 1.3 million less when these came out on the same day? I, I don't understand. Maybe people saw episode one and thought, I don't want any more of this. Yeah, maybe. Also, episode two was uploaded before episode one. By like 10 seconds. Uh-huh. Why would you watch episode two first if you saw the title episode two? <laughs> That's uh, maybe uh, the description is Detective Looker of the International Police uncovers critical information in the hunt for Team Rocket boss Giovanni. Uh, walk through this again. I don't think really much happens. It starts with Looker and some mustache police officer with no name uh, talking about getting Giovanni and breaking down the game corner. Uh, game corner, obviously, Team Rocket's hideout in, in red and blue. Uh, they don't make it clear why they break down the game corner besides to get because Team it's Rocket. Their ba- it's their base of operations. Yeah, and, they but, freed the, and they freed the Pokemon that were being held there against their will. But let me gamble. Don't kick me out. There are... <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense at all. They're... Uh, unsure where giovanni is this is the first literal minute of the episode is talking about they broke down the game corner they still can't find giovanni they do the weakest plot point of giovanni's men will not tell us where giovanni is they are extremely loyal let's move on it's just four minutes of looker talking to people who look like swat team people and then walking into an empty room touching an explosion and then you see giovanni for a 
like a hot second and then it's over yeah Touching an explosion <laughs> well the, the debris from an explosion i'm sorry so the remains <laughs> of a we've been recording this battle. for already almost an hour and a half i'm sorry i didn't get every word perfect for you will so we went from we don't know where giovanni is to we broke down the game corner to we're interrogating giovanni's men they're super loyal they won't tell us where giovanni is to all of a sudden we know Giovanni is now the gym leader. <laughs> yeah, there's just some dude who says he's been spotted in the Viridian gym. Like, the, the first... He's, like, at a computer, and he, like, turns around, like, I just got an <laughs> electronic mail. This is the worst... I got an AOL instant message indicating that Giovanni is, in fact, in the Viridian gym. This is the worst minute and 20 seconds ever of uh, how did we get here? So they put a bunch of spotlights on Viridian Jim, and they bring out a SWAT team, and they, they state that Giovanni is a powerful Pokemon trainer, so we need 50-plus Riot Gear security guards to come here um, to break into his gym. Full SWAT team. I, I, this doesn't work. Like, bringing the SWAT team is ridiculous i guess what it all it shows i feel like what they're trying to convey is giovanni is extremely powerful and that's why we need this many men but at the same time it references that two people have beaten giovanni up to this point uh red and blue ash and gary whatever you want to call it those are the two people all right I promise you, anytime you're making a raid on a mob boss's location, it's going to be a lot of SWAT police officers yeah. involved. I think it's cool that they have an RK9, they have a Machamp that are, you know, ready to SWAT it up with the SWAT team. The, the best thing about either of these shorts is the part where the Machamp full on Kool Aid mans through a wall and yeah. smiles at the camera. <laughs> so they spread out into three groups. We know in the Pokemon lore that the gym leaders are pretty much the people in charge of the town. That's at least how it's kind of broken down in the hierarchy of the Pokemon world. I don't understand how Looker, who is a detective, is the worst detective in the entire world to not know that Giovanni is a gym leader. (laughs) And whether or not it's kept secret, how... At this point, has he been a gym leader so long that he has recently or only given out two badges? I find it hard to believe that the Elite Four has existed as long as they have. And the only way to get to the Elite Four is to have eight badges. And recently, two people have beaten Giovanni, and that's how we suddenly know. The history of the Viridian Gym clearly has been a mystery up to this point. I will give you some small, uh, I, I will call them apologies because yes, the program was not perfect. But one thing that Looker does comment on arriving at the Viridian gym is the Viridian gym was supposed to be closed. So potentially, <laughs> potentially Giovanni went in and wasn't really supposed to be the gym leader or he had basically been neglecting his duties for a long time and only appeared there as a response to his initial encounter with red 
and now wanted to challenge this up and coming Pokemon trainer, which had who had impressed him so much with his Pokemon training capabilities to but, offer him a badge. But Steve is kind of right just in terms of how it comes off, though, because the it's not like because you do get the the, the one line from Looker that establishes like this place was supposed to be closed. But it almost seems like he's saying, like, I didn't know this place was open, not how you know like not no one knew this place was open it, it's like so i think steve is i think you're both right in the sense that they do include that line to give you the context but but i i'm with steve and that it does kind of feel like you know someone is like mr president it turns according to these records el chapo has been president of juarez for or has been mayor of juarez for the past 40 years oh <laughs> <laughs> like, like it it doesn't like the like the way the rest of the series sets up gym leaders and gyms is that they're this institution that's perpetually around like like how did people even go to the kanto elite four if the viridian gyms are spent like there's no discussion of that like it that none of the details like really fit when you think right. too much about them and they were on a break it's okay even if giovanni is standing there when you get there even if giovanni closed the gym clearly he was a gym leader prior to the gym closing like you just don't become a gym leader instantly close it and then prevent everyone from getting to the elite four like other people have gotten to the elite four before you that's a dark story that remains to be told how the once good-hearted and noble giovanni was turned to darkness this is a raid. I understand the the raid aspect of things. This is a public building, I believe. I feel like gyms are public buildings, like libraries or or, or courthouses. Let's or the just YMCA. Let's just melt the wall with an RK9, and then let's also Kool Aid Man through the other wall. But gosh forbid we don't damage the front door. We just break the lock and kick it open. And Looker. The only one without body armor or riot shield is the first to go in, which, again, boggles my mind. It's just silly. Well, that um, trench coat he wears is made from nibble, nibble snarf skin, so... I will say, though... the <laughs> immune to bombs. The, uh, the hack on might, really cool, nice little subtle feature. The what? Magnemite hacking in it. Hack on Mike? It, okay, it, it didn't hack anything. It stuck its little <laughs> it probe in fried, the wall. Yeah, and just, overcharged yeah. it. It yeah. just fried, yeah. fried the 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 glass doors that didn't get damaged. But good old Machamp <laughs> smiling through a wall, and good old so good old RK9 just melting. And let's go back to the we need a cannon to destroy the entire world. RK9 melted pure concrete with a flamethrower. Yeah, but then he was real tired after that. Was he? I don't know. Yeah. Pokemon are real strong. That's all I'm saying. I mean, how many PP does flamethrower have? He's He melted the concrete to the point where the concrete was dripping molten lava. In defense of, of Pokemon's continuity on that specific aspect, I would say that the Pokemon world does seem like some sort of strange post-scarcity utopia where uh, healthcare is is free, no one is poor. Like, 
like Pokemon do all of the work. So healthcare is free. No one is poor and law enforcement of dubious quality. <laughs> uh, so looker with a Growlithe behind him, unclear if that is indeed his Pokemon or not encounters the gym arena of Giovanni discovers Giovanni's not there. There is like some black goop on the ground and they call that an explosion. I'm not, I'm unclear. It's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be like the charred floor from an explosion of like a Pokemon trainer battle or yeah. Yeah. That bring. Okay. I mean, that brings up the questions of, do we replace the floor every time there's a Pokemon battle? It just makes it unclear of how these like arenas said, are... Like post-scarcity economy. They can afford it. <laughs> this is how everyone stays in business. Battles break down. People have work because they need to replace the floor. Machamp comes I, running through the door with a big old smile on his face because he's happy he Kool-Aid man through a wall. Um, I don't think the floor was ruined. I think it was just like... Uh, remains you know of the battle on oh, okay. the floor so we just need somebody to like sweep oh mop right it up, the, janitor, the janitor gets in business we go to this there you go. we go to this pan out to giovanni uh looking back at viridian city saying that you know team rocket will never be defeated team rocket will never fall um we get a close-up on his evil eyes he puts a fedora on uh and then he walks away proof that he is evil it it's just the overall i get it they have three to five minutes i don't really understand what that episode is trying to accomplish well it answers the question of like you continue playing pokemon red or blue but giovanni never gets caught so it kind of like fills in why wasn't giovanni caught because he got away so there you go well now that question's answered that mystery has been solved. I mean, if anything, it makes it just makes Giovanni look strong. And Giovanni is strong. No, I, and I like that. I if if there's any characters in the Pokemon universe that I want to know more about, it is the gym leaders and the bike shop people. <laughs> What's their deal? Why do they put these exorbitant prices on things if they're just going to give them away? <laughs> what is going on there? Yeah, I mean, it makes Giovanni look good. If your looker was first introduced in Generation 5, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you are mistaken. Isn't he briefly in Gen 4, especially in Platinum? He's at least in Platinum, if not Gen 4 generally. Yeah, he's he's definitely before Gen 5. You think Platinum, though, but not base series Gen 4. I'll I'll look up if it's particularly Platinum. I think think he might be just in Diamond and Pearl briefly and then expanded upon in Platinum, but I'll look it up. Will, what does, what does Looker do in the games? Break it down for me. Well, he just moves the plot along. Um, he is an investigator for an international policing organization. So people, like, he asks you as a strong trainer to help him in his investigations. So he's basically, basically he is the post-game in black and white, definitely. Yeah, that's the last one I heard about him the most, was post-game black and white. Turns out he's not in the base games of Diamond and Pearl. He's introduced in Pokemon Platinum. Is there anything specific he's notable in Platinum for? Oh, he's uh, he's like investigating um, Team Galactic. Okay. Based on his uh-huh. investigations in this three to five minutes, I'm still going with the, the, the thought that he is one of the worst detectives ever. 
he does act as a bit of a comic relief character in a lot of instances. All right. Well, let's take a comical relief break, do a little music. When we come back, we'll uh, do our Pokemon of the week. And there's one small news article I, I missed, and we'll talk about that real quick. But we will be right back. And we are back from our break. Last break here. Uh, I missed two news stories, but they're really short. But before I get to that, I do want to say we're doing a special promotion for Patreon. If you sign up for our Patreon this much, this much, this month, uh, patreon.com slash it's super effective. Uh, we are giving, I am giving everyone a gift that signs up for any tier, whether that's a dollar or $5 or $100, doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of September, I'll send out a survey to everyone. You pretty much fill in your name, your address, uh, and a couple other questions, and then I'm sending everyone free gifts. So even if you're a $1 Patreon, uh, all you gotta do is fill out the survey and you'll get buttons, some stickers, and some other stuff. Some other packages will have shirts, and some other packages will have some other stuff. It's not really like a lottery. Everyone's going to be getting stickers and buttons. It's just that I'm going to include gifts specific. I'm going to include unique gifts in every other package. So some will be shirts plus buttons and stickers. Some will be some other stuff. That applies to everyone who is currently on Patreon or any people that sign up for Patreon this month. So you can just go to uh, well any of our episodes. It's in the episode notes on SoundCloud. Uh, or if you go to PokemonPodcast.com, there's a little support button that'll take you there. Or you can just go to Patreon.com slash It's Super Effective and sign on up. We, have a, we had a lot of people sign up last week. Uh, and a lot of people, usually when people sign up, they send me an email right away and they go, how do I get in the Slack? Uh, the Slack messages take anywhere between 12 to 48 hours to invite you. So I would, uh, you don't get invited right away. It, just, uh, it does take a, uh, a day or two. So just watch out for your email when you sign up for the Patreon for that invite to Slack, and then we'll get you all taken care of. If it's been more than two days, yeah, then definitely reach out because it's possible that um, it went to your junk folder or I might have to re-invite you under a different email. So yeah, let me know. But yeah, uh, for everyone who has signed up, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, the two bit of Pokemon news we missed is the Pokemon Go Plus is out now. Uh, it is available. It is probably extremely hard to find. I did order one on Amazon. My Amazon delivery date is uh, this Wednesday, so I should be getting it this week. And I do plan on doing a review of it uh, and taking it out and making it work. So I've, I've done some Pokemon reviews up to this point. If you go over to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash pcamoncast, and you can see some of those. But uh, I'll give next week, we'll talk more about the Pokemon Go Plus. The other bit of news I forgot is that the Korokora, uh, besides revealing new Ultra Beasts, they also revealed Rockruff's evolution. Uh, and it looks like Rockruff will evolve into a Pokemon called Lugarian? Lugarigan? Gurin Lagan. Lugaringagan? Wait, what are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> Giant robot anime, obviously. <laughs> Wait, we're, we're not talking... We're not... I would... 
zoned out because it wasn't important to me. We're not. <laughs> Why did we start talking about Gurren Lagan? Because Rockruff's evolution is called like Lugarugan, something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Uh, now, now we're all on the same planet. Got it. Uh, its appearance will change whether it evolves during the day or whether it evolves at night. This is, they're not two different Pokemon. Uh, think of this more as Meowstic. The male and female Meowstic are the same. They just look different. And this is going to be the case for Rockruff's evolution, the name I can't say. Uh, it says that this article, this is, this is actually from Nintendo Life because they they stole the, not stole, but they took the images off Cerebi and Cerebi and Cerebi got them from Korokora. But uh, they say, safe bet that... Uh, they will have differences in combat. Uh, the magazine has teased, uh, teased that it would reveal a secret about Rockruff that is shared along with the Alolan region starters. While this could be a secret, uh, Rowlet, Litten, and Populo could also have separate forms based on time of evolution. Uh, this Interesting. Is, this is still unsure. The, I'm going to say the sun evolution. Because uh, it has a lot of orange around it, a lot of yellow around it, uh, is they they're werewolves. So if you listen to my PAX episode, I found some Wikipedia articles and I based um, Rockruff off a certain type of dog that is known to get rabies very easily. It's also one of the dogs that are very similar to have werewolf or wolf-like characteristics. But yes, these, uh, I would say that the sun evolution is quote unquote more of a wolf and the moon evolution, which if you look at the scans, it has a lot of blue around it, a lot of darker colors, which makes me think that this is obviously the night evolution is more of a werewolf looking Pokemon. They look very different, a lot like uh, the Meowstic line where male and female look pretty different, but not much else is said about those. So it is Lugarugan. Lugarugan. I'm assuming it's something um, off Lycan. Uh, I think something, yeah, along those lines. Uh, midday form, the sun form, uh, learns a move called Excel Rock, which is a new move, and the midnight form learns a move called Counter. So they, they will have different moves depending on which evolution you have. And correct me if I'm wrong, Travis, but the Meowstic lines have different moves, whether it's male or female. That is correct. They have different, completely different movesets. Yep. There we go. For those who like wolves or werewolves, your Pokemon are now here. I'm, and I, I, would, I would safely as I would bet that uh, the, the, the day form is ground something, but the, the night form, I feel like, is dark ground or ground dark. Wasn't Rockruff rock type? Yeah. Oh, I think sorry, it's going to maintain sorry, rock. its rock typing. Rock. I don't know why I thought ground. Because he has rocks around his neck. Because it's called ground rough after all. Ground rough. Good old ground rough. Okay. (laughs) Let's move into our Pokemon of the week. I'm going to throw it right to Travis again. We're going to mix it up. This time, uh, I guess because there was a Vigoroth in the generation short, we're doing slacking. Slaking. However you want to pronounce it. I feel like we've done this before, but that's all right. (laughs) <laughs> slaking is such good stats it must be amazing well there's one large problem and that's its ability truant truant is an ability that 
only slacking possesses, where your second, fourth, etc. turns having slacking out, it will, instead of doing the move you instruct it to use, uh, do nothing as it is loafing around. So every other move you make will not actually do anything. So even though it has great stats, it's very difficult to utilize because you can't really afford a Pokemon that can only attack every other turn. However, we're still going to try to make it work. Uh, it's worth noting that you can still switch out after you make that first what attack, so perhaps Base stats might... are so high. Yeah, it's a base stats are incredibly high because its ability is probably... Uh, actually, slow start might be even... Well, no, I would say that Truant is worse than slow start. So, um, also, to as a point of correction, its pre-evolution Slackoth also has Truant. That's true, yeah. I guess you're right. Vigoroth is the only one in the line that doesn't have it. I forgot that, that Slackoth also had it. Um, I think what I was saying, yeah. So you can still switch out after that first turn. So if you use uh, an attack your first turn, you can switch to another Pokemon and then not really have the disadvantage of having to wait for the Truant turn. But that might require you to make a switch when Slacking is the best Pokemon to have out. It's kind of predictable that you're not going to want to do nothing, so it um, you could be easily punished for it. So you're put in a bad spot. So there's two schools of thought for your first move. You're definitely going to want a very strong normal type move for same type attack bonus. First school of thought is the one that um, is a little trickier with your ability, which is Giga Impact. The thought here is if I'm not going to be able to attack my second turn at all, I don't care about the fact that Giga Impact needs to recharge. So I can oh. I'm, I'm only attacking every other turn anyway. I might as well use Giga Impact. Very strong move can take out um, Pokemon. It can take out a whole bunch of Pokemon, even defensive ones in like uh, two hits. Very strong. Problem is you can't switch out after you do that and do the thing I just talked about. So your um, what you gain in base power, you lose in some versatility. The safer option, um, although I think it's a lot less fun, a lot less cool, if you wanted to be safe and be able to switch out after you use your main uh, same type attack bonus move, you'll go with return or frustration, depending on if you want your slacking to like you or not. Um, <laughs> that also requires you, if you're not RNGing or playing on a simulator, to actually make your slacking love you. Um, good luck with that. Your, your second move, uh, so we kind of are going on a similar line as we went with, um, oh, what even was our Pokemon of the Week last time? Was Snorlax? No. We yeah, it was Snorlax, yeah. I thought it was Snorlax. I think we did something after that. Anyway, we talked before about a Pokemon <laughs> with a pretty poor move pool that was normal type. It was something that had guts. It. What did we talk about that had guts? Radicate. Radicate. Yeah, yeah, here we are. So, uh, Slacking is on the other side of Radicate. Radicate was trouble because um, it didn't really have any good... Um, type coverage to be able to deal with things that normal types typically can't but luckily with slacking you do have access to earthquake that covers rock type and steel type two types that you uh, would only be not very effective against with your normal type moves um, and you actually still have uh, an option for ghost types you actually have two options one is pursuit if you're trying to take out the trickier Ghost types that are more sweeper-oriented, that are trying to get in and get out and, and deal some damage. 
or if you want to just deal with the bulkier ones um the bulkier ghosts you can do night slash night slash is a little more generally effective so that's probably what you'll want to go with although pursuit can be quite effective against um certain opponents that you anticipate will switch out a lot or certain team compositions that require that for your last move and this is where i'm going to deviate a little bit from convention i'm going to say slack off here not slack off not it's pre-evolution i'm going to say slack off it's the move that uh, recovers your health by 50 percent i realize that it's kind of risky given that you you're essentially going three turns if it you know if if you attack your first turn, slack off your second, that's three full turns that you're not dealing damage to your opponent, and that's kind of rough, and you're just taking three hits, and it might not end up helping you, but if you can get a slack off to go off when you expect your opponent to switch, that can be very beneficial. Um, that's why I recommend it over something like Encore or something that might be typically recommended, which which is your you know another good option as well. I also don't... F- I'm not very compelled by the fast, uh, by investing your um, nature and EVs into speed. Granted, 100 speed is nothing to, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. That it's going to outspeed a lot of Pokemon, especially with investment. But you have so much HP already in your in your base pool that it makes a lot more sense to me to invest your EVs in HP. It means you might be able to survive a few more hits uh, to to have more than one turn of action. Um, just makes a little more sense to me. I'm sure people, uh, the, you know, the people who make the um, the canonical uh, move sets and things on on places like uh, Smogon know better than me. But um, if you're trying to run Slaking, you don't really care what those people think anyway. What if you can I can I throw a wrench in your move set? Mm-hmm. If it was a double battle, what if you use one of those moves that switch abilities with Slaking? Yeah, you can do that. Um, you're... Is, is, that is, is wasting that turn valuable enough because of how high Slaking's stats are? Not really it, wasting, but taking could, the yeah, turn. You could, you, you could do some interesting things with it. Um, there, there's two... Um, I guess there's one main problem I see. Um, first, you have to run a Pokemon. I guess there's two problems. First, you have to run a Pokemon that knows skill swap uh, generally. And if memory serves, there aren't a lot of great Pokemon that know it. I'm looking. Uh, actually, no, it's it's a TM. So apparently a lot of Pokemon can get it. So scratch that problem. I would say the main problem is that even if you're skill swapping, you still end up with a Pokemon that has Truant because you just swapped it onto your other Pokemon. And how's about this alternative? Yeah. Both egregious. And have Cough Egregious attack your slacking? Or have slacking touch Cough Egregious. Oh, yeah, other way around, yeah. What if... Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. If, if, If this is a silly question... If I skill swap with Slacking, and I now have Truant, let's say let's let's say my Pikachu skill swapped. I know Pikachu can't learn it. Uh, and then I bring back my Pikachu, and then I bring my Pikachu back out. Does he still have Truant, or does bringing him back reset his ability? The ability would be reset. You get your original ability back. 
there you go. It, if you can pull it off and you can get those setup turns going, it can be a very power, powerful effect. But I would say more often than not, you're going in to run into trouble getting that set up. There's too many, you know, there's Pokemon with taunt or there's uh, heck it, you're talking about double battles. So a fake out is a very real thing. That's just going to happen and ruin your dreams. Um, the stars would have to align for that first turn to go the way you want it to. I would say it's very cool if you can pull it off though. Um, I don't think I really had anything more for the single set other than to say, um, I would invest your EVs into uh, HP and attack, and then give it something like an Adam and Nature. I, I mean, I like on paper, Flacking looks great because of how high its HP is and how high its attack is, and it's almost like you could take a turn off because one, you could survive that turn, and two, because you can pretty much one shot a lot of things. I feel. Mm-hmm. But you run into problems because, um, okay, so let's just go through the scenario. Even with the fast variant of slacking where you're investing in speed, a, a lot of Pokemon that are played competitively have speed stats that are above 100. 100 is not a terrible speed, um, but it's the same speed as like Mew, and you don't typically think of Mew as like a hyper-fast Pokemon in the, uh, in, in the scheme of things. So you're going to be outsped by a lot of stuff. Uh, so you, you use your Giga Impact your first turn. You might even want to, you probably even want to hit KO a Pokemon with it. The next Pokemon comes in, it's something fast, like let's just say it's, um, you know, they switch into, um, Yin Mega. Yeah. I was trying to think of something that's super effective against it because they're obviously going to go into like something with a fight. They, they, they switch into, um, Hitmonlee. Yeah, they switch into Hitmonlee. They use whatever fighting move they have in the move set. I jump um, kick. That's such a bad move. High jump kick is very good. This is yeah. like 80% and then it also has a recoil. I believe it's 90%. Um, it does not have recoil. If you lose the 90%, then you take half of your damage. Or if you, it deals if no it effect misses, for If it misses, you take like, damage, right? Cor- correct. Yeah. Um, but it, it has such high base power that it still gets used um, on many sweepers because they don't care that much about their health total because they get one shot anyway. Anyway, sidetrack. Um, so him only uses uh, uses high jump kick, takes you down probably more than halfway. It's super effective, and then it outspeeds you on the next turn and high jump kicks you anyway. So it's after all of that pomp and circumstance of having this Pokemon with an incredibly high attack, you end up it ends up be, just being a one for one trade. Granted, if you didn't run Giga Impact and ran Return or something, you could switch out that second turn, but then you're giving your your opponent a free turn to. Uh, deal damage uh, to whatever Pokemon you switch into. So it's sort of a bad situation either way. But I thought, I think that that was one of your best analyses you've done. <laughs> Thanks. You've walked through some situations. I like that. Flaking, slacking, however you want to call it. During most of the day, slacking lolls around and sleeps. It is considered the laziest Pokemon. But even when it's lounging, it is saving energy. It can exert a lot of power by releasing built-up energy at once. It can regain lost energy through the use of its former signature move, Slack Off. Slacking lives in forests, where it feeds on grass and ripened fruit that falls from trees. It only moves around when there is no food 
within its reach to eat. And if you get a shiny one, it is like a blue... No, it's more like an orange back. He kind of has like a, a light blue mane, I would say. Uh, and the shiny one is more of an orange mane. And the nose is a little more pink. Hitmonlee is actually slower than slacking. Just <laughs> thought I would throw that out there. I just found that out. <laughs> I find that hard to believe, but okay. Uh, the trivia here is slacking has a lot of similarities to Regigigas. They're both normal type Pokemon. They both have hidden, hindering abilities, truant, and slow start. They have the highest attack based uh, stats out of all normal type Pokemon. They also have the same base stat totals. Uh, outside of legendary Pokemon and Mega Evolution, Slacking has the highest base stat total of all Pokemon, even surpassing pseudo-legendary Pokemon by 70 points. In a double or triple battles, one can nullify Slacking's truant ability with either Skill Swap or Gastro Acid. Several trainers in Pokemon Emerald use this power, including Norman, during the player's rematches with him. The final boss in Pokemon Coliseum also did the same tactic. Without Truant, Slacking can make full use of its impressive stats. This can be done in single This can also be done in single battles using a contact move with a Pokemon like Cofagrigus. Um, that's that ability's mummy. And uh, in pre-alpha sketches, uh, it depicts this Pokemon as a a pre-alpha sketch depicts a Pokemon that bears a striking resemblance to Slacking. Obviously, this is an audio podcast, but, uh, oh yeah, it does look like it. <laughs> it looks like a li- I just love the experience of, of the listener just hearing Steve not even, not even try to provide a visual description of what he's seeing and just going, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I'll... <laughs> It's it's a real rudimentary drawing. It's there. really it's a really rough drawing. It's really cute though. Uh, so slacking is in this article uh, with um, Tyranitar, and so you see it. It looks like it was sketched on like a napkin, uh, but you see it looks like a little baby Kangaskhan. It's obviously supposed to be Tyranitar shooting a little fire out of his mouth, and you see what looks like slacking, except it looks like a bear with a baseball cap on. Uh, and it says, nothing is known about the first Pokemon, Godzilla Knight. It may have been a fire-type Pokemon, as shown as it's breathing fire. It's As its name implies, it is lo- likely based on Godzilla. Godzilla Knight notably shares a resemblance to one of the fake Pokemon toys shown within the Pocket Monster Mega Magna. Man, man, manga. I can't feel like I'm saying... There you go. Manga. Manga. Volume 1. The Japanese name of Tyranitar is also based on Godzilla. Nothing is, nothing is known about the second Pokemon, Gorillamo. Gorillamo. It could be a reference to a character uh, from a game called Ape Inc. Anyways, it's supposed to resemble... Oh, no, yeah, so the, the default name in... Uh, not Earthbound, but I believe the first Mother game, the default player name, player's name was Ninten. Got it. Which is like a joke about Nintendo being in the same way that in Earthbound or Mother 2, the default name is Ness, which is like a reference to the NES. Oh, I know. 
Oh gosh, I feel really wait, silly. Maybe I have it. Maybe I have it backwards. I forget which, but I think that's how it works. I didn't think that Ness's name was based off the Nintendo Internet Entertainment System. I yep. guess I guess that makes sense. It all comes full circle. Uh, it resembles a Nintendo character, Donkey Kong. Gorilla Mo could also be based off King Kong. Later generations may have, have included eight-based Pokemon. Flat King is the most notable. That shares physical traits with Gorilla Mo. So there you go. I guess that makes sense though. Like, in if you go back to the drawing, it kind of looks like Godzilla versus uh, an ape bear with a baseball cap on. Definitely a baseball cap. It's def- mm-hmm. definitely a baseball cap. No doubt in my mind that that's not a baseball cap. Man, all these like old sketches of Pokemon look incredible. <laughs> I love I love everything about this Bulbapedia page. I think we have to do a whole episode on it. Oh Lord! Everything here is fantastic. Oh, not the uh, Jigglypuff thing. That's that, just super that Jigglypuff disturbing. drawing is really disturbing. Yeah, that Charizard drawing is really legit though. This is this is making terrible podcasting material. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up our episode. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Yeah, patreon.com slash it's super effective. Everyone will get free gifts if they sign up for the month of September. Uh, Travis is at the Travis W mm-hmm. on Twitter. Will is at washing the sink on Twitter. Uh, I am at dragging a lake on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps a lot. And uh, if you want more Pokemon Podcast content, we do an actual play podcast called Mythical that is also in iTunes and SoundCloud and anywhere else podcasts are found. Otherwise, this has been another Pokemon... Wait. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are... Super effective. Super were beasts. What a dirty dog. Hey there, Pokemon Podcast listeners. Do any of you play Minecraft? Did you know that you can play Pokemon on Minecraft with a mod, Pixelmon? Join the Pixelmon server that cares about bringing you the best Pokemon experience out there at play.journeygaming.com. Journey Gaming has four different Pokemon servers themed after the regions Hoenn, Sinnoh, Kanto, and Johto. Check out their website at journeygaming.com or jump right into Pixelmon Experience on their server at play.journeygaming.com. I want to give a shout out to Pure underscore Riddle for this sponsorship over at journeygaming.com. Thank you so much for supporting It's Super Effective.